All right. Thank you again for joining me. It's your boy, your homie, Moso, a.k.a. Donovan, with another edition of the Glass Element Podcast. Today, I have joining with me someone who's very talented, very intricate, interesting, and has so much to share. Um, Please help me join, if you guys are clapping, Ishmael Waterman. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. It's, uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Let me put down my phone so I'm, I'm, I'm engaged. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the Glass Element podcast is basically just to help ph- photographers learn more about themselves if they're just beginning, even if they're just kind of advanced, you know, just to highlight certain things that we can do to um, improve the quality of our work and our life and things like that through art and things that I've um, you know encountered. Uh, when it comes to looking at people's work, I feel like you have to understand their mindset to really get it. So that's why I really wanted to have this conversation because it's either... I get something from this or someone else gets everything from this. So my first question um, is how exactly did you start the, the photography journey? So the, the, the lesser known part of my origin story uh, would be the first time I ever encountered Photoshop. Uh, my older brother Jihad, he uh, decided to one day Photoshop my face on top of an orangutan's body on National Geographic. So my mom got really upset. She was really dramatic. Oh my God, why would you put my baby's face on a monkey? Da, 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 da. <laughs> and um, from there, I, I kind of picked up Photoshop as a means of revenge. Okay. And it became something I was really interested in. It became something I did every single day. Uh, Moving into high school, I started Photoshopping people's report cards. I I went to school in Brampton, so it's a lot of South Asian kids. So if they come home with a B, they're getting their ass beat. So everyone was a straight A student if they knew me. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Um, From there, I, I kind of fell into retouching. I was doing little one-off jobs for the Toronto Star. Uh, They used to have a magazine called B Magazine that I did some editing for. Uh, A couple of photographers on Model Mayhem and eventually just kind of kept that traction going. By the time I was 17, 18, I had bought my first camera. It was an Olympus something, something or other. (laughs) And... uh, I, I bought it because working with so many photographers, I was looking at the images, thinking to myself, I could do this. This yeah. this isn't hard. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But it isn't. So I bought a camera, started out, really sucked, kept at it, still sucked. Uh, been going at it for a little bit over 10 years now. Okay. Uh, I don't suck quite as much, but in comparison to the people that I admire, I yeah. suck. So th- there's always a stage that you're looking to go yeah. afterwards, the next point. Yeah, um, I, I've seen your work as, as long as I've, I, I guess, been in contact with you. And I've always had a, uh, a feeling that it took some time to, to actually think 
um, this way about your own work, um, especially just how you produce things and how you go about getting um, the final image out to people. Uh, I believe that like that's what really attracts certain audiences to the way you produce. So when I when I looked at it, you know, I, I was I was in, like. Yeah, I was, I was in, I was in a pretty uh, beginner stage, and I just sort of looked at photographers as, you know, uh, that, I guess, bridge between like how people actually create things and what reality is. So if I was looking at someone's work like yours I, I i always would ponder how someone got to this um this conclusion so that's one of the reasons why i think uh photography is such a uh a demanding uh i guess you can say career lifestyle things like that but yeah, um, I guess segueing into that, um, how how is it that you've been able to just continuously work on your on your craft? How is it that you stay consistent? I always have this one goal. Yeah. I, I want to be better. Yeah. I, I want to be progressive. I want to constantly push my own abilities, and as I grow as a human. I constantly kind of get to this point where I want to fuse all of my interests. I want to bring my interests in music and my interest in movies and visuals and uh, occult sciences and actual sciences and religion and everything. I, I want to see if there's a way I could start bringing it all under one roof because I think that's that's what people would define as high art when you create something that your audience recognizes on so many levels and so many platforms and as they grow as an audience they can revisit the work and see something completely different yeah. that that's where I'm hoping to take my work that's what I'm gunning for cool cool um, in the I guess in the last few years uh, that I've been like really involved in photography i've seen the jump in how interested people are just run-of-the-mill people are in in art and and the you know the galleries and the um th the, the places that people find themselves when they just want to think about art in a different way um toronto you know i used to live in rexdale and like nobody was into art no nobody's really like from the hood is, is down for the art thing but lately, it's been a lot easier to convey a message to someone in that area because it's just it's just getting easier to, to, to get that picture, that video to them. You know what I mean? So I, I've seen the big increase in, in, in how people interact with art and just social media in general. And, and yeah, like, I, I guess, um, yeah, I guess, like, it's just... Uh, uh, an interesting thing when you see people who never cared about art and now they care about it. Like, do you feel like you've, you've impacted anybody 
I, I doubt I've had any impact, but I think you could really put all the blame on social media. <laughs> when when you look at platforms like Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, all right, good example. I was on the subway the other day, mm -hmm. and there was this ad for um, some art show that's coming up, right? Okay. And the picture was a square format, yeah. and it was like a yellowish-orange background with uh, some palm leaves silhouetted in front of it. And I was looking at it, and I was with my friend. I was like, that looks like an Instagram post. And they're like, yeah. And it's for an art show. And he's like, yeah. Do you think Instagram has ruined art? And we both sat there and thought about it for a while. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like it made it more accessible. It, and art's always been accessible. It's never been inaccessible. But if you're growing up in Rexdale and you aren't being exposed to it, but you have a cell phone, everybody has a cell phone, you have an iPad, you have something that's letting you scroll on an explore page and see some shit that you haven't seen before. It's going to pique your interest, it's going to make you see things that you hadn't seen before, it's going to make you want to expand that horizon. So, do I think I've had an impact on it? Not yet. Um, the series I showed you just a little while ago, I think that's my first step to beginning to put even the slightest bit of a dent in things and that that's kind of the beginning of a, a very wide spread gamut of ideas that i've been developing and figuring out how to produce and the right people to produce them with and just the means to create something that in my opinion is groundbreaking my goal is to break ground yeah, I mean, shift the perspective. Yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to always, like you were saying, always want to improve. So the the next thing I wanted to ask you is, how do you feel as a photographer uh, of of the way things are portrayed now? If if you had to to say something you would like to see more of, um, what what would the I guess what would the actual applications be for? Uh, it's a mixed bag for me. Cool. Cool. There are elements. Maybe just the thing on the top of your head. Like. There are elements I love. Okay. Like, I, I love the uh, spiritual influence that I'm seeing in art these days. Uh, when I look at illustrators like Marcus Prime mm -hmm. or Alpha Channeling, and they're doing these images that showcase people's third eyes awakening and the rising of the Kundalini and it's depicting sexuality in a beautiful way rather than a raunchy way and mm -hmm. it's shifting the perspective from this very pornographic literal culture that we still live in uh, on the counter side I wish there were more uh, depictions of today's cultural underdogs mm -hmm. in a more beautiful light yeah. so when you look at uh people muslim people mm -hmm. islam isn't depicted beautifully in our advertising here in no. canada no. or in the u.s um you constantly are bombarded by news articles of uh some dude with a turban on who's about to bomb a school or some bullshit like that but you never see a beautiful woman in a hijab yeah uh in a beautiful setting mm -hmm. great clothing etc yeah. you, you don't see the flip you don't see one side 
So, and that goes beyond Islam, like even Christianity. I, I personally don't like when I see memes yeah. that say something like, oh, but you're Christian, blah, 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 and you're black, da, 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 yeah. you're a slave-minded person, yeah. da, 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 yeah. because realistically, Christianity it is a, it, it's a holy book from, he, it's, it was a stolen Hebrew book. Yeah. So it's still some real information. It's yeah. just the way it's digested. Yeah. Sideways. It's different. Yeah. So You're I, right. I, I don't care for the fact that people are using uh, platforms in arts and just general communication to shame mm -hmm. people's relationship with themselves, with God, with other cultures, with, yeah. with anything. I think, uh, I think it's very diminishing. Yeah to the global culture yeah and um in terms of like how because of the way photography is generalized as a way to just show someone something um i guess the people that have found the most um success or the most uh easiest way to impact is by using negative reinforcement so if and like I know personally of of people who only shoot one way for just the monetary gain of money. So they'll use whatever um, I guess things they have access to, be it the women, be it the the concepts, be it the the actual um, thinking of it. They only think one way, and I I I believe that when you like us having this conversation here and someone understanding that you don't have to approach art or photography that way you can you can see a lot more people like you know trying to 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 be a bigger impact you know what i mean so yeah don't get it twisted though money is great oh it's a beautiful money, thing money is, money <laughs> is entirely necessary <laughs> see here's the thing yeah People have this perception that if you are a working artist, mm -hmm. you are either hungry or a sellout. There's, there's no middle ground. Yeah. But the fact is, the middle ground is how you stop being hungry. Yeah. That that that's that's the brass tax of it. If I strictly did commercial work and I was only doing lookbooks for Holt Renfrew or God Style or whatever, and I didn't do any of the things that I'm passionate about, I wouldn't book any clients yeah. because I'm not doing anything that's really captivating anyone. Yeah. And just on the flip side, if I only did the things I'm interested in, clients wouldn't be interested because I'm not showing them that I could do their shit. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important for photographers, young, vetted, whatever, to really take the time to build both sides of their book. Build the side that appeals to clients. Build the side that draws in the boring commercial work that keeps your belly full yeah and then commit yourself to the artwork that's coming out of your own pocket yeah the, the shit that really defines you as an artist because you're investing your time into it you're putting a great deal of planning into it you're putting your money into it and at the end of the day you're putting yourself into it yeah it's it's tricky and honestly i think i'm only now starting to find my stride in that regard because I spent all of last year doing commercial work mm -hmm. and I was miserable yeah because it didn't feel like I was doing what I love anymore for like a job yeah and the year prior I did all of my own personal work and I was broke yeah 
and this studio it, it's not cheap yeah yeah it doesn't <laughs> so, look cheap <laughs> so it was it's been a challenge trying to find that balance and as i find it i start to realize that there, there's a formula to it yeah it, it's it's kind of a you could almost break it down you, you could break it down to almost you could break it down to math yeah i could say all right for every personal project i do mm-hmm. i draw in two commercial jobs okay and if i draw in two commercial jobs off of this then i know that to target higher commercial jobs i have to do personal work that appeals to that audience yeah and i'll start formulating like plots on how to put together this story uh utilizing this location and this team of people and get it out to these press outlets that way it gets this amount of spread yeah and from that i can predict that at bare minimum this amount of work will come from it that's you know the and and it's your own formula that's yeah. that's what's really great about these things when you like i said like you know beginning like someone listening to this will get an understanding it's always about you in a, in a in a way where the things that you really want will come from 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 your core you know what i mean so that formula that you've come up with i'm I, i'm pretty sure you know it's it's going to keep getting redefined to the point of just no return <laughs> it's your formula i'm trying to figure out a phi ratio yeah when it comes to my work i, I want it to be self-replicating yeah. that's the goal that's 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 what's up man that's that's really a good way to keep the consistency up mm-hmm. keep your mind at at bay and and just create great work um so yeah my next question um, is going to be wh- where do you see your work in uh well i don't I, actually I'll, I'll say it like this where do you see ishmael in five years mean five years eh? yeah okay i'll say this i want to travel i want to travel a lot and i would like to pursue many of my other interests other than photography so i know that within the next decade yeah i'm going to spend maybe six months in the jungles of Suriname studying natural medicine i know that in the next decade i want to go and do shoots on random islands like Socorta, mm-hmm. which is that island where it has all the alien-looking trees and the strange fruit that no one's ever seen. It <laughs> they'll say something out of Jurassic period. Look it up. I will. Um, I know that within the next decade, I would like to host massive galleries where I do really beautiful images and the prints are the size of the entire wall and installations that include the viewer yeah i I would like that within the next decade yeah all of the ideas i'm always talking about and saying i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that start coming to real fruition uh location wise i don't know where i'll be location wise i kind of have a naturally nomadic spirit so, I kind of just pop up and disappear whenever I feel like. So that that's a variable for me. I could so, be somewhere tomorrow. That's true. I have no planet <laughs> moment though. I, I I hear that. Um. So 
I guess, uh, like, just being someone who's been through a lot of um, art-related things, what's what's some like what's a piece of advice or pieces of advice that you would give a a, a young brand new photographer or someone who's like you know just kind of getting the rank? Like, what's a piece of advice you would uh, you put forth? When you're starting out, you always want to do the cliche shit that everyone's already done. Mm-hmm. Don't, because you're not defining yourself. Spend time with a notebook and writing whatever wild ass shit comes to your imagination and then start figuring out how to create that. And in doing so, combine it with the things that you already fucked with. Yes, so we're continuing the talk and one thing that's been lingering and on my mind for, you know, uh, some time now is just the way certain things are forced into our systems be it through visuals food um uh, just consumerism things that like affect us as humans are also like things that we don't really need so my question to you is uh how how exactly do you feel about visuals being presented to people and how it works i love it (laughs) I absolutely love it. It's it's so fucked up. Yeah. That it's brilliant. Yeah. The, the there's so many layers to it. My favorite example is uh if you're sitting on Queen Street and the streetcar's passing by, yeah. you'll see an ad on the side of the streetcar for whatever TV show. And then five minutes later another streetcar passes by, same ad. And then again, and then again, and then something else. Yeah. And then they continue that pattern. Yeah. And it seems really arbitrary because it's not something you pay attention to. But your brain recognizes patterns and it memorizes those patterns. So if you are constantly seeing four ads broken up by one blank and then four ads broken by one blank, your brain's looking at it and saying, okay, I'm going to remember this. Like without 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 like, you yeah. even thinking about it. Like there's there's this awesome little application I use when I'm reading books on the computer called Squirt. Yeah. And what it does is it kind of makes each word flash really big on the screen, mm-hmm. and it goes by really quick. So a paragraph will go by in a few seconds because like in your face. Yeah. And if you just stare at it without blinking, you read the whole thing really? without moving your eyes. But that kind of illustrates what your brain does. Yeah. You don't need to cognitively process everything because it's doing it for you. Yeah. Advertising works in a wonderful way like that, the way it force feeds shit to people. That's, that's actually, um, that's, that's crazy. Never thought about it like that. So, my, my, the reason I love it so much yeah. is because I'm looking forward to implementing that. I'm looking forward to finding ways to force feed very good imagery to people, positive messages, uh, uh, like low-key things that like give you information about sacred geometry and how, how to awaken your chakras and all kinds of shit like that without being too in your face about it. Just displaying it in a really subtle, quick way and finding ways to make sure that you're seeing it in a repetitive process so it stays ingrained in there without you really thinking about it. I, I don't have any intention of making visuals that preach it. Mm-hmm. I just want to make things that make people think they thought of it themselves. Yeah. The way force-fed imaging 
brainwashes and manipulates people is inspiring. And I think any young artist, yeah. especially with the wealth of information available to all of us at this time in history, if you can figure out how to utilize that correctly, you're tapping into something really powerful and you're able to make a big difference if you use it right. Yeah, if you use it correctly. Or if you use it wrongly, you're making a difference for yourself. Either way, do it. Do it. Um, I think uh, information is, is, is so accessible. Methods are the things that aren't so uh, out there. People don't understand how these things work. They just know that they work. So when I do look at advertisements, I try to just decipher what is, what is it they're really telling me. When I listen to music, what is it this artist is really saying? When I hear a politician, what is, what is between the lines? Because it's all advertising. It's all, it's all uh, just to get you like, interested and to keep you interested. So I was at a bar with a friend the other day and she was asking me to be her creative director because she doesn't really get the whole advertising aspect. So in this conversation, I broke down the way the brain works to her. So there was a coaster and it was a Heineken coaster and it wasn't showing a full Heineken logo, it just showed like a crop of it, a red star and all that. And I told her to look at it and tell me what were the thoughts that came to her mind. And she's like, um, Heineken, beer, uh, drinking too much, like really, yeah, like the basics. And I was like, all right, but what you're not taking in is your brain broke down every element of it. So Heineken is green. That's the color of one of the most important things on this planet, vegetation and money. There's a red star. A star indicates fame. Red indicates desire. It also has an element of the occult to it because it's a pentagram. You have a place on a white background, which gives the the impression that it's all these things placed in a pure environment. So it's clean, it's crisp. And you didn't realize that you thought about all of that, but you did just by looking at that logo. And, and when she replayed it back in her head, she like, kind of like, like, oh my Yeah. God. But that's, that's the amazing thing about advertising. When you really break down what each of these logos are, like the word logo literally means word. It's an amalgamation of multiple words. So it gives it a huge meaning. So if you take all these symbols with different meanings, you're basically taking hieroglyphs and telling a story that the brain is in a process and you're not going to think about manipulation tactics are beautiful, man. It's, um, it's a scary thought, but the powerful, the powerful people that, um, that have, um, used it wisely, they, everybody experiences different things, but the people that have used it wisely, I'm, I'm sure are still here today thinking about more ways to, I guess, manipulate people. Oh, for sure, man. Yo. <laughs> They're out there. Yo. There's positive people using this tactic. I, I can't even knock them. Like, if I had the abilities of a supervillain like them, I'd be <laughs> super on that. Yeah. I would yeah. be on that because you can, you can control the masses. You could get them to spend all kinds of stupid money, $1,000 on an iPhone 6. Yeah. When has a phone ever cost $1,000? I don't know. 
man. It doesn't matter when. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that, that's fucking retarded. But people are buying it, and I ain't just buying it. They're like putting down uh, like payment installments and yeah, leases. Yeah. Like you you can now. lease a phone. It's like a mortgage now. It's like uh, it's 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 now a like. I think that's probably the way they're trying to send phones and like devices and stuff into the to the, like it's like a like instead of like buying like a, how we used to we buy a phone and it's ours they're trying to make it like a home or like a car or like a um a thing that's separate from just being something you used to call people they're trying to make it like trying to make it a real expense to even own a phone you know it's a utility and, yeah. and on the real that's a utility that records everything you do yeah so not to sound too conspiracy based but if you're giving back your phone after the fact and they say yeah we'll wipe it they plug it into the computer probably downloads all your shit it's probably uploading all your shit right now well, I trust Google a little bit. <laughs> You're naive. <laughs> I don't know about Apple though. Apple is uh is, is the one I watch out. Uh, they're all villains. They're all villains. Yeah, they all got a lot of money. <laughs> Yo, but once again, you you have to rate the villains because yeah. there are no heroes. Mm-hmm. So if you study what the villains are doing, yeah, that's how you figure out how to be a fucking hero. True. There's no real difference between Spider-Man and Venom other than the motive. You you know what? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I came up with this project that I'm working on that every time I'm in a shitty mood and like these are really dark visuals, really fucked up, they're very politically charged and it's where my creative energy kind of goes when I'm not feeling, you know, the good shit. Yeah, if someone pissed me off, I'm gonna put it into the art. If someone makes me happy, I'm gonna put it into the art. And the goal is to never let myself fall to a point where I'm not feeling productive, where I'm not creating, even even like at my most depressed points. If I can figure out a way to harness it and turn it into something visually, that's what I'm going for. And I I think that's really important as a creative to make sure that you don't fall into a rut where you're not creating because the moment you stop creating it fucks up everything yeah especially especially us that's very visual we're not engaging in our own work i feel like we disconnect a little yeah entirely yeah um i've gone through a year of just not doing any photography at all just having odd jobs and stuff like that and and it's suffered my photography suffered a lot at least how i viewed um creating works uh interacting with people um just just developing a a style like a whole year off of photography wasn't good for me at all like it it wasn't it wasn't a well thought out plan i should have just did something every week you know once once a day or something like where i'm doing um i'm holding my camera at least to you know capture something Sometimes you need that hiatus though. It makes you realize how much you love it, how much you appreciate it, how much you need it. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I, I took a hiatus for like six months and I started working at this uh, stock photography place as a retoucher. Mm-hmm. And the pay was good. It was like $30 an hour. So, you know, who was complaining? Yeah. But I fucking hated it. It was just white backgrounds, really like it's stock photography. Everything's whack. Yeah, it's like really, really whack. Like yeah. what? Two soft boxes and uh, <laughs> it, it's not my flavor. So yeah. <laughs> when I was there, I wasn't shooting at all. 
And then I think towards my last month there, I decided, all right, you know what? I have some capital in the bank. I'm going to start renting studios and shooting again. And I just found myself skipping out on work and saying, fuck this. And then when they fired me, I was happy. I was really, really happy. And I, this is when I still lived in Brampton. And I went home to my mom's place. And I was like, yo, I got fired. And she's like, why are you grinning? Yeah. And I was like, this is what I needed. Yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah. And I went. Sometimes a break is necessary. Yeah. I think it's therapeutic. It allows you to really sit back and analyze what you've been doing right, what you've been doing wrong, what you need to adjust. It, it helps. It's just important not to, uh, it's important to know the difference between taking a break and being lazy. Because it's very easy to blur that line, mm-hmm. and just have uh, and, and and just have like that continuing slope happen to you. Complacency has no place in this yeah. at all. In terms of like photographers that I've interacted with, it's not it's not something you can not take seriously, especially at um, well, especially trying to get to a certain level. It isn't picking up your camera and just shooting. It's more thinking about photography as like a whole like what do you really want to do as a photographer you know what is the message that you're putting in everything you you, you do what is the how do you actually feel about this thing you know what i mean yeah so um when i see lazy photographers or i hear about lazy photographers or photographers that are not productive it's not it's it's just that they don't understand yet no, they don't. You know, it takes some time to understand because even the landscape in our city is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So many photographers I know constantly complain that there's no work in Toronto. And every time they say that, I think, good, more for me. Yeah. Because there's work here. Yeah. There's, there's work, work everywhere. There, there's, there's work everywhere. I mean, we're, we're not San Francisco or New York where you could go on Craigslist and get a position at some big studio really easily where you actually have benefits. There are no benefits in Toronto for photographers. No. But... There's work, lots of fucking work. And if you know how to hunt for it, if you know what channels to place yourself in so people are seeing you, there's a lot of work. And I think it's like what you were saying about the hustle. Knowing, learning how to hustle is, uh, is, is a really, really big part in, in, in getting those jobs you want, getting, uh, getting on a project that you really want to. Accomplishing a real goal is like, learning how to hustle and um that's something uh you know you have to gain you can gain it through just learning how to do photography but like being someone who just gets things done yeah. is, is is it will, will will hold way bigger benefits than just having and you gotta realize people. there's no ego in hustle as yeah. a photographer if you want to be a high fashion photographer who only shoots fucking supermodels and shit like that you have to realize that to get there you're gonna have to do the little crappy jobs that you don't want to do the shit that you don't want to put your name on so don't put your name on it but do it hustle get your money build it save it and put it to use i I find even with myself sometimes i will uh want to turn down work because i think it's beneath where i'm trying to go but at the end of the day, it's all building towards so, the yeah, same goal. It's all, it's all the one thing. Um, I, I know when to say no. 
I know when something is not for me. I, I know there there's certain things that I need from a, a person, a client, even from my colleagues that will have me interested in a project, whether it is something I want to do. So if there isn't clarity behind something, if there isn't um, understanding of responsibilities, that's when I'm like, nah, I'm not part of that. But if someone comes to me or I come to someone and we're both passionate about this project and, the, and they want to pay me for it, that is okay with me because that actually helps me understand where my passion should come mm -hmm. from. You know what I'm saying? So if someone is really serious about something they want to shoot, that helps me understand when I want to shoot something, how serious I should really take it, how yeah. important it should really be to me to say, I want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a weird profession because <laughs> as an artist, you can't help but get emotionally attached to shit. Yeah, of course. You just have to figure out that balance yeah. because there are projects to get passionate about yeah. and there are projects to just work. And not passively work, not juggle it between your own personal projects and the client project, but actually work. Because at the end of the day, a client is a lead. A client is potentially residual income. A client is exactly what you want. So when it comes to complaining about clients or mentioning about, oh, they're so cheap, da da da, -da. Yeah, you took a fucking job, suck it up. Suck it up and do it. it. It's challenging though. I, I get it, especially especially between the first and the fifteenth. Like you you get bitter when the money ain't right. But if if you are serious about this, if this is what you want to do, then you have to realize that every piece of bread that you collect, it's all going to the same pie. So don't so so don't so don't get egoic about the work that you're getting if you are doing fashion and someone says they want to book you for uh, a maternity shoot do the fucking maternity shoot no one's gonna complain no one's gonna say oh you do maternity i thought you were this and that. like that's all in your head yeah so as i was saying like your ego is the only thing that's preventing you from doing those jobs your clientele are gonna look at you different if you shot a pregnant woman yeah and that being said, this podcast has been brought to you by the good folks at Nature Box. Nature Box, whether you are looking for some chocolate nom noms, some peanut butter crunchies, some dried fruit, Nature Box is the way to go. If you go to Nature Box and sign up with promo code Elements, you'll find it does not work because we don't have any sponsors yet. So I encourage sponsors to start looking in. To the, to the glass elements i really appreciate that <laughs> shout out man <laughs> um again uh, thank you so much ishmael for joining me um your insight is always something that i look forward to seeing hearing watching whatever it is i do learn a lot from you and 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 the way you produce images even the way you just carry yourself so i think this this edition is going to be very insightful for anybody that listens as well as um getting to know a little bit more about themselves and uh the people around them um ishmael's uh yeah i'll just actually let you do this so what what are your your twitter handles your instagrams your facebooks how do people reach you man okay um let's see My i'm gonna put this all in the show notes by the way so you know, if you if you want to look into it, we have it. <laughs>
Cool. So website is ishmael.com, I-S-H-M-I-L. Uh, Instagram is Ishmael Waterman. Uh, Twitter is Ishmael. Um, my Twitter, I don't tweet a lot. I just kind of like speak random thoughts that pop through my head and I'm like, damn, I wish someone was here to hear me say that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I use. If, if you're trying to reach me, reach me through the website. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I want you guys to check out his work, check out his his persona. He's he's definitely someone you need to keep uh, in mind. So uh, with that being said, this is another edition of the Glass Element Podcast. It's your boy, your homie, Moso, a.k.a. Donovan. Thanks again. If you have any questions, any feedback, something to help me improve, um, people that you would like me to interview, please do not hesitate to email theglasselement at gmail.com. I answer very quickly, and I'll probably answer you on the next podcast as well. So, yeah, peace. Peace.